you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging Delta, and I guess now Lambda, like I was Neo in the Matrix. It feels like it's never ending. We're going to get to the end of this soon. I promise I will stop using this as my intro one day soon. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Anyway, beyond that. Uh, another fun show for you today. Uh, producer Justin is alongside as always, and we are joined uh, as we continue our cavalcade of fantasy stars leading up to the regular season uh, with Ian Harditz, who uh, is now, I, I, I say that every time you come back a second time, you were officially a friend of the show. So Ian now officially a friend of the show. You can find his work over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, and contrary to popular belief, he is not actually Johnny Depp from Fear and Loading in <laughs> Las Vegas. Uh, Ian, good to have you back, man. How are things? Appreciate you guys having me on again. Good to hear I have officially made it into the uh, friend zone. But yeah, it's funny, man, with the Johnny Depp avatar. There's like one person a week that will like reply to someone else that has the same avatar because it's Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson. And they're like, yo, why are you stealing at I Heart? It's his avatar. And I have to tell them like, no, that's actually not me. I Not quite as pretty as Johnny Depp, but one day. Oh man, but look, man, if you could be, you know, Dr. Gonzo, like you, you can just, you should make yourself into the, the Dr. Gonzo or uh, the Hunter S. Thompson of fantasy football. Like that could be a, a whole persona for you. That'd be great. Hey man, just, you know, having, you know, basically being late on deadlines, doing a bunch of drugs and alcohol and people are saying, oh, Hunter's going to Hunter. Why not? <laughs> exactly. You know, great book. Excellent movie. Oh, yeah. uh, if you haven't read or seen either, I recommend it fully. Um, all right, let's let's start off though with some some news coming out of training camp because that's always sort of important this time of year. Uh, it was not that long ago, maybe a week ago, that we were getting reports of Carson Wentz and this injury that was going to keep him out anywhere from five to twelve weeks, and it seemed like all gloom and doom in Indianapolis, and everybody was wondering what to do and how to scramble. Then a couple of days ago, there's a report that oh, you know what, he could be ready by week one. Uh, so maybe we shouldn't have thrown that pity party for Indianapolis quite so soon. As you look at this, how much does Wentz being back potentially change your outlook for that whole Colts offense? It must be nice giving out these five to 12 week timetables. Maybe for our fantasy rankings, we should just start saying he could be yeah. the QB six to QB 20, you know, like we'll see. Make it uh, so much easier on us. Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. But yeah, so with Wentz, I was never really on him as more than just a, you know, late QB two dart throw option anyway, because of how horrendous he was last year. And I've actually bumped him down now, even behind more guys like Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, because the one kind of saving grace for once last year, surprisingly, was his rushing ability. That's the only reason he was somewhat of a streamer quarterback at times. And now with this foot injury, I'm concerned, man. We saw Kyler Murray in the shoulder, Daniel Jones in the hamstring last year. When you have quarterbacks where so much of their production is based on their rushing ability which once is sneakily was last year it's, pr it's problematic when they're already injured so difference between being injury prone already injured i'm gonna fade these guys that are already banged up nine times out of ten if it's gonna cost anything in fantasy land it's good news for michael pittman ty paris campbell all these guys so we'll see if they can you know keep keep it on but 
Um, yeah, man. But Jonathan Taylor, I think the one issue, like it's always been a volume question with Jonathan Taylor. Like she's always been a borderline RB1 to me because they're chasing volume. That's still the issue. Not so much who's under center for the Colts. It really does feel like Jonathan Taylor is sort of the the linchpin in this whole thing, right? That, you know, whatever we do, I, I keep going back to the Colts receivers and you talked about Pittman and T.Y. Hilton and those guys. And I always felt like they were sort of speculative at best. I, I, I like Michael Pittman. I hope he turns into something. Uh, you know, I was recently you know, talking to Eric Moody, who, who sort of changed my outlook on T.Y. Hilton a little bit and gave me some reasons to believe that maybe uh, there's one last gasp there, especially at what the, the draft price is for him right now. Um, but Jonathan Taylor always seems like the one that everybody's like, well, what does this mean for him? Because he's yeah. the one that I think we sort of have the most hopes for. I, I still contend, and maybe you, I, you can agree or disagree, that that the Quentin Nelson injury is probably more impactful for Jonathan Taylor than anything Carson Wentz does. Yeah, I mean, look, Quentin Nelson, I think, if you want to say Zach Martin's better, fine. But that those are your two you know, best <laughs> guards in the entire league, you know, any way you want to look at it. So it doesn't help. I will say, though, I mean, with the offensive line rankings, for someone like Taylor and Nick Chubb, where so much of their production is you know, on the ground that they're not getting as involved in the pass game, yeah, we do want to chase those great offensive lines. I do think we, at times, though, overvalue certain offensive lines compared to others. A lot of people are fading Joe Mixon because he has PFF's 25th-ranked offensive line going into this year no one really cares that christian mccaffrey is playing behind the 30th rank line <laughs> dalvin cook's behind the 27th rank line why because we're chasing opportunity more than anything so just try to keep that in mind with some of these offensive line uh just rankings and all that because as important as it is our ability to kind of assess where they're going to be ranked by the end of the year i'm not so sure we're uh you know really at that point where we can do that with a, enough level of accuracy to really you know be penalizing running backs based on the o-line last right. year the top five uh PFF run blocking offensive lines produced four top 24 PPR backs. The bottom five offensive lines also produced four top 24 <laughs> PPR backs. So hopefully, I mean, for me, the biggest issue for Jonathan Taylor is will Carson Wentz give him the same sort of targets that we saw Phillip Rivers give him last year? I mean, Rivers, whether it's Eckler, Gordon, Naeem Hines, even Taylor has always fed those running backs. So Taylor, for me, it's always been like, can he get those targets? Uh, and I think he'll be fine, you know, pretty much. We want Quentin Nelson, even if Quentin's not there. Again, it's just not something that's really causing me to overreact to Taylor's ranking. All right. So I'm saying all that, though, it just makes me think that the, that means you're still OK on Najee Harris, because that's that's the yeah. big concern with him in Pittsburgh. Right. The offensive line. Um, I mean, if we're worried about volume, if that's what we're concerned about, then Najee is, is OK in your book. Right. Marcus, in 2000, there were it was 19 or 20 running backs had at least 300 touches last year. There were four. It's just such a different game these days that when you have someone like Najee, where every single report we've gotten out of Pittsburgh is that they want him to be the three down back. We just got to sign up. And when I mentioned that stat before about the bottom five PFF line, still producing the four uh, top 24 PPR backs that did include more guys like Austin Eckler, Miles Gaskin guys that, you know, have that receiving capability. That's arguably Najee's, you know, biggest strength. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we're just hating on him, not having the home run speed we want out of our running backs. But the big strength out of him, at least in terms of, you know, our PFF draft guide was his catch radius and ability to function as a true receiver. So, you know, if they give him that Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, James Conner role from a couple of years ago, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers RB1 has been one of the most fantasy friendly players in fantasy football for the better half, better part of the last half decade. I think we're about to get back into that zone with Najee. 
Yeah, I think I think it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and I just it was nice to see him get a lot of work early in the Hall of Fame game, too, because that that just sort of reinforced the idea that they want yeah. him to be uh, a true workhorse there. Uh, all right. Over to Baltimore, where Rashad Bateman is week to week, considered week to week uh, after he suffered a groin injury. Now there's reports uh, or at least a, a report from Jim uh, John Harbaugh that uh, he's going to have to have surgery. They're saying that you know he could be back sometime in September. Um, right now, the the Ravens wide receiver is just a beat up bunch, man. I mean, you've got you've got Bateman who's hurt, uh, Marquise Brown is hurt. There's so many guys that are out. What in the world are we doing about the Ravens passing game? At least you know the non Mark Andrews division right now. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. I made it until yesterday, August 11th. That was the first time all offseason that I actually started to seriously contemplate getting more Sammy Watkins exposure. And at this <laughs> point, man, we got to start thinking about it. Sammy's best season, this thousand yard year, came in 13 games under Greg Roman. And even if we don't like Sammy Watkins because he's just you know, he gets our trust back in week one every year. And then whether it's inefficiency or getting hurt, he just burns us time and time again. I don't know why switching to Baltimore would bring out the best in him when Patrick freaking Mahomes couldn't do it. So with all that said, every single bit of news we get out of training camp tells us Watkins has been the best receiver there. And even Greg Roman, whose opinion matters way more than anything we have to say. He says that he believes Watkins is one of the best receivers in the league. So at this point, I think Watkins at value is probably the one to target. But the answer might just be no, man. This is already the league's reigning most run-heavy offense. And the only reason I think we could get behind Mark Andrews and to an extent Marquise Brown last year was because at least the passing game was condensed around those two guys when they did throw the ball. Now we got Watkins. Now we got you know Bateman once he's gonna be back there. Tylen Wallace. I mean, I don't think Boykin and Duvernay are necessarily going anywhere. Suddenly there's actually a lot of mouths to feed in a passing game that okay, maybe they throw a little bit more. I don't think there's still gonna be anything more than below average with that. So, you know, any you look around the league and you know Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill, it's very hard for these quarterbacks that run so much to enable more than just one fancy relevant receiver. And if it does happen, it's usually really condensed around a clear alpha. I'm not sure that even exist in Baltimore at the moment. Well, and all that, you throw in the fact that, you know, there's talk that they want to get J.K. Dobbins more involved in the passing game. And and you're right. There are just there are such a limited number of targets. It's the reason that I couldn't really get behind Rashad Bateman at the beginning yeah. of, of this whole thing. It's why I've been so hesitant. People keep trying to sell me on Marquise Brown and I just can't do it. I mean, I, I seriously, I like what they did at the end of last year yeah. where uh, at some point the light went on. They're like, hey, maybe we should use him as more than just you know running streaks down the field. Let's find a way to get him the ball. Um, but you're right. There's such a limited number of targets overall, and now there are more people to try to, to funnel them out to. Um, I do have this weird feeling, though, that something's going to happen and Sammy Watkins is going to be the best of the fantasy receivers there. I'm not saying it's going to be great. It'll just be the best of that group. So, uh, you know, he's that guy that every year, you're right. He breaks our heart every year. You know, if, <laughs> if you are lucky to get the Sammy Watkins game, if you, for whatever reason, you know, forget to you know change him out of your lineup and you get the Sammy Watkins game, <laughs> good on you. Um, but I, I think it's hard to sort of count on. He's only um, 28, man. That's what I can't believe. That's amazing, right? T 28 <laughs> going on 40 might right. as well. But. <laughs> that is amazing to me. Yeah, man, I feel like, you know, he was at Clemson with, like, I don't know who, uh, Dwight Clark. That's Mortav was that Martavis Bryant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Maybe, man. Maybe. Man, it's 28. That just blew my mind. That, that I know. I <laughs> just kind of derailed me a little bit. Thanks. Um, all right, so you are you are writing as I mentioned over at Pro Football Focus. You can go check him out there at PFF. Uh, you know you've done quite a bit of stuff this summer. There are there are some things though that you wrote that that kind of kind of caught my eye. Some couple wide receiver things. 
um, in Dallas, you talked about Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb both having the opportunity to be wide receiver ones. Uh, certainly the the drumbeat for C.D. Lamb was already loud. I think Hard Knocks is only going to make it louder um, as we see over the next few weeks. I do like them both potentially as wide receiver ones, but if you are forced to pick one over the other, which direction are you going and why? I was actually just answering a DM before we got started here, and someone's like, how high are you moving up C.D. Lamb after seeing Hard Knocks? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not moving him up at all. I literally posted a highlight of Odell Beckham, like just his highlights from last year, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and people were telling me, oh, it's against the Cowboys. It doesn't matter. The same afternoon, everyone's losing their damn mind over C.D. Mossing. Guess what? Cowboys cornerback. <laughs> so, I'm not here to hate on C.D. Lamb. I've had him as a wide receiver 12 the entire offseason. I just have Amari Cooper as the wide receiver 11. If you look at what happened when Dak was under center, only Allen Robinson had more targets than Amari Cooper in the entire league in weeks one through five. C.D. was getting his as well. Ultimately, was the wide receiver 11 when Dak was under center. Cooper was the wide receiver eight. So it's not so much like and maybe people were just more concerned about Cooper being on the pup to start camp. No longer an issue. He actually met the timeline that Jerry Jones and everyone set out there for him. So ultimately, I know Cooper, you know, in the past Raiders days, he's been a little inconsistent. He's only missed three career games since coming to the league in 2015. And particularly since he's gotten to the Cowboys, that inconsistency that kind of, you know, we just always talked about with him has gone out the window a little bit. Since the Cowboys traded for him, the only guys with more receiving yards, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Julio Jones. Amari Cooper has been a top 10 producer since he got to the Cowboys. I don't expect that to change in 2021. I, you know, you talk about the consistency and the thing that always frustrated me with Amari Cooper was just the volatility week to week yeah. in the past. You know, it's great. We love when he puts together those, you know, 30 point games, but then when he follows it up the next week with four, um, you know, you're, you're so frustrated. And so it's, it was one of those things where you would look at his numbers at the, at the end of the season. And overall, he might look like a top 10 receiver. But, you know, if you struggled with him on a week to week basis, you understood the frustration of it. Tyler Lockett-esque. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Last year, we didn't see that. The floor was a lot safer for Amari Cooper. If that continues, I think he's fine. Do you have any concerns, though, that, you know, at some point, I don't know what his long-term future is in Dallas, and do the Cowboys maybe start to, you know, transition to C.D. Lamb at some point in the season just to say, hey, look, you know, young fella, you're going to be our guy. Any worries that that – I won't say worries because I think both guys are going to eat, but any thought that that might happen? So eventually, I mean, if you look at his contract, like a lot of contracts, particularly these voidable ones we got going on now, he really is only guaranteed to be in Dallas for this year. You know, the hundred million they're paying him, they can technically save about 20 million on the cap by releasing or trading him after June 1st and any of 2022, 23 or 24. So Dynasty Land, I'm absolutely taking CeeDee Lamb. The only guys I think I would take above CeeDee and Dynasty are Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown. I I would really put Lamb in that top three in Dynasty. But for 2021 alone, I just think Cooper is still going to be that guy. So really, I, and I think the volatility point you brought up, uh, I think Michael Gallup is almost that guy now. The way they used Cooper last year, much more underneath than I think we saw in the past. So I'm fine getting Gallup as well. I mean, what do we always talk about in fantasy? I mean, we want to chase that upside. So I don't necessarily think it's a negative, particularly if you're doing some of these best ball formats where you don't have to worry about, you know, their down weeks because your lineup's being optimized anyway. Guys like Michael Gallup, Tyler Lockett, you know, MVS even, if we really want to go down the ranks, <laughs> there's some value when you have those spike weeks, uh, you know, the boomer bust profile type receiver. Luckily, you know, that's not what we want when we're picking someone inside the top 12 at their position. Luckily, Cooper seems to have those days behind him. 
I do love Michael Gallup. I've loved Michael Gallup. Yeah. I, I was frustrated last year when Dak got hurt because I think if he stays healthy, that sort of changes the outlook for the season. Uh, I also love the fact that you found a way to wedge MVS in here. And, <laughs> and I, I, I advocate that we come up with as many different fantasy formats as possible to make every type of receiver in the league viable in one format or another. That would be that would be awesome. I love it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You also wrote about uh, a couple of guys down in Miami, Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller and, and your expectations for them. And I think both those guys are going to be really interesting this year. But for me, the bigger question is, what does this mean for Tua? Because I feel like last year people were sort of prematurely writing him off, right? You were, I, I was seeing and hearing a lot of, well, the Dolphins should have taken Justin Herbert, obviously, and they, they whiffed on Tua when this guy was coming off a major injury. Yeah. With the pieces they've now put around him and the fact that hopefully he is a year healthier, what do you think is his ceiling eventually? Yeah, horrific hip injury. I mean, the fact he even was able to play last year, I think, was a minor miracle in and of itself. The pieces they've added, though, which is the second part you mentioned, I think is going to make arguably even more of a difference because it wasn't even like he had a healthy version of the 2020 Dolphins receivers last year. They were so banged up by the time he got under center. Here's a list of the guys he had to end up targeting in his starts last year. Devontae Parker. Lynn Bowden, Jakeem Grant, Mac Hollins, Isaiah Ford, Malcolm Perry, Preston Williams, and Antonio Callaway. You know, we, Marcus, we might know that list, but I think a lot of listeners out there, maybe not so much. So with the Will Fuller effect, Deshaun Watson, 8.8 yards per attempt with, 7.6 without. We got speed every na- everywhere now between Fuller and Waddle. I'm expecting that to take to a two, maybe not, you know, QB1 territory. I'm not sure he runs quite enough to get there. At a minimum, though, much more of an upside QB2 than we saw in the past. I cannot stop drafting Jim Waddle, man. It's turning into a problem <laughs> at this point. He's going as like the wide receiver 48. And I think people are literally holding on to that one practice report where Waddle did not get injured. He did not leave practice. He took like an extra minute to get up after falling down. I'm sorry the guy has always walked with a limp. He got picked six overall. People were saying before the draft, he's better than Devontae Smith. We seem to forget about that, you know, potential storyline. And, you know, it's just about drafting guys closer to their floor than their ceiling. Both Fuller and Waddle are being priced pretty much outside the top 40 receivers. I've been getting plenty of all of them in fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes. It's funny because Adam Rank has taken to saying that Jalen Waddle, it's like drafting Will Fuller without actually having to draft Will Fuller. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love which it. I sort of do. I, I sort of like that idea. And I'm I'm really optimistic about Tua this year, uh, partially because I just I just want him to kind of quiet a lot of the doubters. So, you know, but I, but I also just I just want to see him go out and be great. And, and I think it'll be fun to watch. I like this Dolphins team. Uh, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how that all plays out. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, I'm just going to ask it the way you sort of wrote it. Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? Who should we be rooting for right now? So I thought it was Jameis going the article. I love when, you know, you go into an article with your mind kind of made up. And then as you research it, you, you know, find something new. And I think the idea that Jameis is this great fantasy quarterback is a little bit of a fallacy, man. If you look at his career numbers and fantasy points per game, 
QB 19, QB 20, QB 18, QB 15, even in 2019, which is like best case scenario, he was only QB 8 in fantasy points per game. I have a feeling Sean Payton isn't going to be cool with James being the sort of gunslinger he was when he threw those 30 interceptions. And even more concerningly, if James wins this job, I still think we're going to see a lot of Taysom, you know, coming in the red zone like he usually does and stuff. I don't know that it'll be the same if Taysom wins the job. I feel like James would be more of a clear cut number two backup in that situation. So the way I look at it, if Jameis wins it, we have Alvin Kamara as a high-end fantasy asset. If Taysom wins it, we also have Alvin Kamara, and we also have Taysom Hill. The guy turned in QB3, QB11, QB7, and QB9 finishes in his only four starts last year. I was overly concerned about Kamara, maybe wrongly, before the Michael Thomas injury. Now I'm all the way back in, man. I mean, there's no way. Who else are they going to throw the ball to at this point, with all due respect to the Callaways and Deontay Harris's of the world? I just think that, you know, basically, Basically, it's as simple as that. If Taysom wins the job, I think we have two high-end fantasy assets. If Jameis wins it, probably closer to one. With all due respect to one of my favorite late-round tight ends, Adam Troutman, of course. Yeah, you know, I know, I know people love Troutman, and I know that there is a Marquez Callaway truther committee <laughs> that seems to be forming uh, because of some of the reports out there on Twitter. I'm not too proud to admit that, you know, we came into the spring and summer and I was sort of like, you know, poo-pooing the idea of drafting Taysom Hill. But like I was, I'm, I'm the Russell Westbrook eating a snack in the corner meme, right? Where I'm like <laughs> looking around and like, yeah, you draft Taysom Hill, really? And then I, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. Like I'm drafting him in the double digit rounds and, and like now it, I don't know, it's potentially a thing. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know this is, this to me. It's one of the big storylines that I'm watching in the offseason because it does. It has such a big impact on uh, on what there is in that New Orleans offense. It feels gross, man. It feels gross. It but, does. You know, as we say, don't hate players, hate ADP. And where Taysom's going, <laughs> when you can get him, that's like your last pick. Great. And I, I've been trying to say it throughout this. Like, if your league does not require you to draft a defense or kicker, don't. Stream him before the year starts. Take Taysom Hill in the last round. And, okay, if he doesn't win the job, you cut him and pick up the defense you need to pick up any. Anyway, if he does, now you have a QB1. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Which, by the way, you mentioned Michael Thomas. I mean, how concerned are you about his situation? Where, where, What are you feeling about, about him right now? I have not taken him in one draft since the thing happened, man. I feel like when we see this where even like James Robinson and some guys, it takes a while for ADP to kind of adjust when things like this happen. So I still think he's just really overvalued because people see him listed on you know these websites not as far down as he should be because he wasn't being drafted like this the entirety of the offseason. So again, man, I've said this a couple of times on his pod already, but very much difference between being injury prone and already injured. And just, you know, every single bit of news we get out of this situation comes out worse and worse. I mean, would it really surprise anyone if Michael Thomas has played his last snap in New Orleans? I don't want to go out and say that's the most likely <laughs> scenario, but it certainly seems to be on the table. So, you know, hey, if you're in a situation. I know some leagues have like, uh, you know, just one year keepers or something like that. So mm-hmm. if everyone gets to the point where we're all fading Michael Thomas and, you know, you want to take him and round 13 or later, sure. But taking him over like a legit, taking him over one of those Dolphins receivers, miss me with that, man. Man, if we get to the point where people are fading him enough that he falls to the 13th round, then yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all over that. That's that's something I'm doing all day. We, we got a ways to go though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, we, I don't I don't think we're gonna get there by the time you know no. the season rolls around. <laughs> um, speaking of which, the the preseason starts for real for real tonight. Uh, games all throughout the weekend. So I was putting together a list of five questions uh, that I'm curious about for this weekend. Kind of wanted to get your thoughts on them. The first one. 
We will see the Patriots uh, tonight uh, against the Washington football team. Uh, if I get this right, maybe I can be a company man. I believe that game's on NFL Network. Uh, don't quote me on that, but uh, I think so. I know that we have a handful of games on the network. I'm doing my best to promote. Please, please understand, bosses. I'm trying to do my job here. Um, but the Patriots are playing tonight. There is reports that we're going to see some of Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Do you think we're going to get any more clarity in that battle with what we see this evening? Mac Jones, thankfully, now wearing number 10. He shed right. the 50 jersey. Uh, I've been, you know, the whole offseason, the kind of similar thing with San Francisco. I do think Mac Jones is a starting quarterback sooner rather than later. I just don't think you send a first round, you don't spend a first round pick on a quarterback with that different of a skill set than your starter without the intentions of moving on to him sooner rather than later. So it's just concerning, man, because Cam Newton, like one of the quotes he said recently that stuck out to me was that he doesn't see himself being this, you know, short yardage pile driver anymore and that's really problematic for fantasy land man and you can you know people really hating on cams you know horrific touchdown to interception ratio you got to include the 12 rushing touchdowns man like he found his way into the end zone counts for six points just like a passing one no reason to not include that but if we're going to take away the best thing that cam newton does man it's basically you know superman's kryptonite so i don't know that cam is really someone that we can get behind at all maybe you know with these improved weapons he does get back to looking like the cam of old but i would expect to see mac jones start to take over this battle sooner rather than later in the preseason so we'll see and if he does man it's going to be great for everyone involved you know we mentioned this before with lamar and Taysom and the way these rushing quarterbacks can take away from guys damian harris all of a sudden becomes the primary goal line back instead of cam uh john Drew smith hunter henry nelson Aguilar, jacoby we can all of a sudden get behind these guys more if they move the mac and accordingly move to more of a pass first offense I, as a football fan, I want to see the old Cam Newton oh, come back. So I just, I it's just so much fun. As a fantasy manager, I'm too scared to touch him. I just, I can't, I can't make the move. Um, and you talk about their their weapons, which, yes, I think their weapons are better than they were last year. I'm still not on board yeah. with them. You know, like I see the Nikhil Harry hype, right? I, I see the, the videos and, and all that stuff. And I can't, I love them at Arizona State. I still don't have the, the the stones to buy in just yet. I love Nelson Aguilar, um, but when he is sort of the crown jewel of what you've added to your – I shouldn't say that because they, they did get Hunter Henry and John New Smith. Uh, but when he's the crown jewel of what you added to your wide receiver core, I, I don't know that I can sort of get behind it. So I am – I'm very much hands off with this Patriots offense. Uh, and, you know, hey, maybe, maybe I missed out on something, but I think that's okay. I just, it seems I, like, I, I, yeah, it seems like one of those situations where maybe Aguilar and Myers are a value at where they're going because they're going like the 60 or 70 wide receiver range. But like, do you really even want to spend one of those picks on a guy where they might not even finish better than wide receiver 50 right. anyway? So 20 point ranking difference. It's a lot better when it's someone in the 40s versus, you know, the 60s or 70s. <laughs> exactly. Um the Jaguars obviously will, will have a new look offense. They've got Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. They drafted uh, Travis Etienne as well. They bring in Marvin Jones uh, as a free agent. What are you hoping to see from this offense? Granted, we're not going to see a lot of these guys very long, but, but what are you looking for from them? Just give me something positive, man, because I haven't seen like anything out of it. It's ever since Urban Meyer went to Jacksonville. And I am a Columbus, Ohio lifer. I'm living in Cincy now, being a company band for PFF. But I love my Buckeyes. I was very optimistic about what Urban could do because as you saw him at Ohio State progress, like when they got shut out by Clemson in 2016, he brought in Ryan Day, revolutionized the passing game, and took more of like a CEO role uh, than he had in the past. I thought that was what he was going to do in Jacksonville. That does not seem like the case. His 
fingerprints are all over this team, which you would expect from a head coach. But even then, it sounds like they're running Urban Meyer's offense. That's why, you know, Travis Etienne is being slotted for the Percy Harvin role. They're not running Daryl Bovell or Brian Schottenheimer's offense. It's Urban apparently calling the plays. So I just want to ideally get concentrated volume somewhere because, you know, as much as people want to jump back on the James Robinson train because he's been the starting running back in camp, Gardner Minshew has also been the starting quarterback in camp, so I'm not sure we can really hang our hat on that. And if we listen to what Urban Meyer told us shortly after the draft, he said Robinson and Carlos Hyde are our one-two punch with Travis Etienne being more of the pass-down guy. We can live with two running back committees in today's NFL. Again, only four running backs last year with 300-plus touches. The day of the true workhorse back, mostly over. But if we have three, four backs, that's when things start to get problematic, particularly if Tim Tebow is freaking coming in inside the 10-yard line, which I'm praying isn't the case, but it's a possibility, man. So I just want some version of condensed Targets, rush attempts, quarterback snaps, anything. Because at this point, man, I'm wondering if the answer to who we should take in Jacksonville is just no, because we don't know where the ball's going at this point. So I think there's talent everywhere. ETN, you know, game-breaking speed. LaVisca Chenault, I th- the way he was breaking tackles last year, mm-hmm. I wish he was the one getting the Percy Harvin role, right. period. DJ Chark, if he's healthy by week one and he wants to be their alpha one, that's fine. But right now, everything just seems – they want to be a run-first offense and there's competition at every single skill position – it's problematic, man. I I do fear that they're going to use Tim Tebow as some Taysom Hill light version. Like that that is like that is that's Armageddon as far as I'm concerned. If, if if we see him, you know, running the wildcat from the five or something like that, like that's going to be the worst case scenario for us. Also, I, I still am not buying this Carlos Hyde thing. I, I know that they, they they're talking about it, and that was one of the things they said early that they want to use him. I still feel like Carlos Hyde is sort of a break glass in case of emergency sort of running back. <laughs> like he's there, he's there to help out, you know, but I, I am still sort of banking on this being a Robinson ETN backfield. And I'm, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the best case scenario is that it's some, you know, some smaller version of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like mm-hmm. I don't expect them to be quite so productive as those two guys, but if they can be kind of a, a poor man's version of that, I think I'll be okay. Um, but I, but I come into this just not knowing I'm sort of with you. Like we don't really have a clear idea of what this could be. Uh, and so I'm hoping that at least, you know, for the one quarter or however long we see this group, we get at least some basic idea of how Urban Meyer wants to use this offense. Yeah. That's all I want. Let's see where ETN lines up, man, because right now I'm looking at like Trevor Lawrence boat picks where he's hanging out with Chark, Visca, and Marvin Jones. And I'm like, oh, why is ETN not hanging out with the wide receivers here? So hopefully we can get at least some of the, you know, first team reps figured out after this one. Somebody should tell them that, you know, when the New York Giants went on a boat trip, things didn't go well. <laughs> oh, no. Boat storyline incoming. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, Speaking of the Giants, Giants and Jets do play each other this weekend, and both of them have some things at least to pay attention to uh, of those two offenses, which one interests you the more, uh, the most, I should say. In terms of preseason, uh, I would go with the Jets. I want to see if Zach Wilson, you know, is going to be the next great potentially rookie quarterback. Because right now in Fantasyland, it seems like all of us are fading the guy. And if you had to look at, you know, the five first round quarterbacks and say which one is most likely to bust. I would probably lean towards Zach Wilson. You look at the lack of, you know, prolonged college dominance, the lack of competition at BYU, you know, some of the issues he had under the rare occurrences where he was under pressure. I can see it, but we've also seen over the past three years, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert, these guys have been written off before they've even taken a snap. And as we found out, particularly with, 
the year one, year two version of Josh, and even rookie year Daniel Jones, you don't even need to be a good real-life quarterback to be a good fantasy signal caller, particularly if you're going to be running around as much as Zach Wilson maybe will. So I'm curious to see what he looks like because, again, I'm done writing off anybody as a fantasy quarterback before we've seen them play some snaps. So, uh, you know, the reports aren't good out of Jets camp, but I mean, come on, it's freaking practice. I don't want to write the guy <laughs> off just because some beat writer didn't think, you know, Wilson had a good day throwing the job, so, throwing the ball. So Zach Wilson, let's see what he's got. I'm, I'm excited. I'm very, I keep saying I'm very intrigued by the Jets offense. You know, part of me is still afraid because, you know, Jets and they've, they've burned us so much in the past, yeah. but um, you know, Michael Carter, you keep seeing great things about him. Elijah Moore, uh, you just see so many glowing reports about what he's doing there. And, you know, obviously there's the, the mystery and the intrigue of Zach Wilson. So like, I'm, I, I I'm cautiously optimistic about them. Um, but you know, I've, I've had my heart broken before by the jets. So I'm, I'm kind of coming in there with uh, a little guarded optimism, yeah. I guess is the best. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You mentioned we, you know, we talked about Jalen Waddle and, and what and what he's doing and, and how he's really just balling out in camp. Uh, on the flip side, the reports about Jamar Chase have not been very good. Uh, coming out of Bengals camp, the reports about Joe Burrow have not been very good. In fact, the Bengals offense has just been uh, pretty awful, if you believe the, the the training camp reports. So going into this, how much do you want to see from Chase and Burrow? Do, do you need to see something good from them to kind of re uh, reinvigorate your confidence i hope we don't see him let the adp keep falling let people fade this offense because <laughs> of freaking tra one training camp practice report because the reason why we invest in this offense for the last six months and now people are getting afraid of it is just volume burrow before he got hurt last year number one in dropbacks joe mixon before he got hurt last year number one in touches and jamar chase like if he was entering this offense and aj green was still there we would have so many questions about how the target shares are going to be how the snaps are going to be he's not there so we have chase walking into a role that yielded like 106 targets last year higgins still can get his boy can still get his and no matter how bad like even if the worst version of chase possible appears in 2021 i think that still might be better than 2020 aj green so i see people like writing off boyd and higgins because chase is there when it's like this is still an offense that had top five top six most available targets coming into this year so personally man like i can't go more than really like six hours without taking Tyler Boyd in the best ball draft. <laughs> Same thing with Jalen Waddle, just one of these problems because – I don't even disagree with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins being ranked ahead of Boyd. I do have them ranked ahead of Boyd. I have all three guys, though, right at the end of the wide receiver two range. And for some reason, the public has Boyd as more of a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. And before you tell me Boyd doesn't have the upside because he's a slot receiver and all this, he was the wide receiver 11 overall before Burrow got hurt last year. So to me, Chase replacing A.J. Green is a net positive. Yeah, the offensive line is not going to be great. I don't really expect the Bengals to be a great team in 2021 but can their pass catchers be productive because they're ballers and they're seeing a lot of volume i think so i feel like 
what's happening to Tyler Boyd is borderline disrespectful, right? Yes. I mean, because this is the guy who he led the team in targets last year and with really spotty quarterback play over the last half of the season after Joe Burrow got hurt. Uh, I, I I love him at, at where he is right now. And, you know, I, I don't I don't want to talk him up too much here because I don't <laughs> I don't want that ADP to go up and suddenly I have to start reaching a little bit more for him. But I love what he can be. And you're right. This is a team that's still going to throw the ball a ton. They're, they are going to be uh, trailing in a lot of games. You're going to see Joe Burrow. Man, I mean, like he was on pace for what, 600, 650 pass attempts, it felt yeah. like, you know, and and I don't see why that changes dramatically this year. So I think all three of those guys can be great. Uh, I think what, what has happened to Tyler Boyd is that we love shiny new things in yeah. fantasy. And, you know, in, in descending order, you know, Jamar Chase is the newest thing with T. Higgins right behind him. And so Tyler Boyd is, you know, he's 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 Woody from Toy Story, right? <laughs> like there are new toys that have come in uh, that we will really want to play with. But let's not forget the guy that is that is, you know, comforted us and kept us in good stead for the last few years. Uh, so that's why I'm still on the, the Tyler Boyd train there. Um, last one, Trey Lance. Uh, you talk about training camp reports and, you know, the 49ers have tweeted out breathless videos of, of Trey Lance throwing <laughs> deep balls and, and all 49er fans, all, all we've done is flash back to the Super Bowl when Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders with a chance to maybe win the football game. And we're like, why couldn't this have happened a few years ago? <laughs> um, I mean, look, as of now, as of this moment, Garoppolo still seems to be the number one quarterback. But what are you expecting to see from Trey Lance? And, and how long do you think it will be before maybe he takes over that starting gig? Similar to the Mac Jones, Cam Newton thing, I just think because of the difference in skill set between Lance and Jimmy G, we're going to see Lance sooner rather than later. I know Jimmy G is better than your usual incumbent quarterback that just, you know, selected one at number three overall. But again, like I, if they would have taken Mac Jones, maybe I could have bought into the idea that he was going to take a redshirt year. But we're already hearing about in practice how when Trey Lance is out there, they're really getting into more of the read option part of the playbook. So what we need is for Trey Lance just to win this job by at the latest week 11, because my goodness, man, their schedule at that point from week 11 to week 17, they get the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and in championship Sunday, the Houston Texans, where Trey Lance <laughs> might run for 250 yards on his own. So what I've been doing this offseason, because Lance Fields, they both fit the prototype rookie dual threat quarterback that we've seen have a ton of success in fantasy land in uh, recent history. What I've been doing, if I get those guys, is I'm also taking Kirk Cousins later because the Vikings first seven games, similarly borderline erotic. They get the Bengals, <laughs> the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Browns, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Cowboys to start the year. So if you find yourself with Lance and Fields, don't be afraid to take Cousins a few rounds later and just solidify that first part of the season. I know Cousins hasn't been, you know, Know, in the best of uh, the news media here in recent <laughs> weeks with some of his decisions, still I think a much better uh, quarterback than a lot of people give him credit for. Do you have a, a pronounced preference between Lance and Fields? I would take Lance because I think he's a little more of a, like our PFF draft guide comp was Taysom Hill with actual arm talent. So I think he's like <laughs> more likely to actually have, you know, 12 to 15 carries per game uh, compared to Fields. And then it's like Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan versus Matt Nagy. Give me Shanahan. 49ers offensive line versus Bears offensive line. Give me the 49ers. 49ers skill position players versus the Bears. Give me the 49ers as well. So I just think Lance checks all those boxes. I take him ahead of Trevor Lawrence too, honestly. You know, if you're doing a ranking competition where it's like, okay, we need to see who's going to score the most fantasy points over the year, of course you're picking Lawrence. He's going to start more games. But, we're, you know, we're trying to win a fantasy league. We're not trying to win a ranking competition. <laughs> Give me the guy that's going to be – 
higher up on the on the list when it comes time that they're all starting in week 10. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm definitely I'm team Lance. But like, again, if, if he's gone and I have to, quote unquote, settle for Justin Fields, all good. I'm OK with that. Yeah. I'm all good. Uh, as I always do before I let people go, I like to just do some random rapid fire, non fantasy related questions. So uh, for you, what was the last movie you saw in a theater? It was the Joker, man. Dark. Wow. The new one. <laughs> I, I will say this, too. is funny. I was a, I love a Quentin Tarantino. And he was actually talking about the Joker and how he saw it. And um, uh, he, he saw it in like on an airplane or something. And he was mm-hmm. saying how if you didn't see it in theaters, how like you really missed out. Because as dark as this movie was, Tarantino brought up this crazy point. I don't want to spoil it too bad, but it's been out for a couple of years. It's I been out for a couple of years now. Okay, yeah. cool. At the end, when, you know, right before the Robert De Niro uh, leaving the planet scene. <laughs> right. Uh, Tarantino's talking about like, okay, De Niro, he's kind of a, you know, asshole comedy host, but he's like, he's not someone that you want to die. He's like, by the time they get to that point, you want the Joker to pull that gun. And that's just a really weird thing to come to grips with. So very interesting movie. I don't even know if I want to watch it again because it just puts me in a weird spot. But yeah, that's the last one I've seen. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I saw it in a the theater and I walked out of there and it just, it sticks with you for yeah, a while. Exactly. I also can't imagine watching it on an airplane. Like I can't imagine <laughs> like you're sitting on a plane and like, you know, if you got your own little screen in front of you and the person next to you is like, what are you watching? Like, <laughs> why is that the movie you picked? <laughs> what, what is this? Like, that seems like a really weird place to watch that movie. Uh, um, do you have a preferred karaoke song if you karaoke at all? I have not karaoke at a bar, but I will say when I was on the University of Chicago uh, football team, my freshman year, our version of hazing was we had to stand up and sing in front of the team. So I went with I Will Survive uh, by Gloria, whatever her name is. And <laughs> Gloria Gaynor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. So Jam, you know, going back to the replacements, I've always uh, I've always loved that song. And uh, yeah, so I guess if I had to stand up there, my friends forced me to go karaoke. I go back to uh, Old Faithful, I Will Survive. Hey, you know, as long as you, you you have to just pick a song that, you know, and stay in your lane, right? Something yeah. you feel comfortable with, something you know all the words to. Uh, and then, you know, you just you just roll with it. Uh, all right, last, yeah, you, you can't try to be a hero. That's what it comes no, down to. No, don't try to be a hero, you know? Like, don't be the person who sings Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants that. Um, all right, last one. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? I wrote down like Denver, San Diego. I don't even feel good about that. How how (laughs) is that, man? I don't even have like a real spot. I got to travel more and figure it out. But we were talking before the show, man. I just want to go somewhere on the West Coast. I'm tired of having these East Coast times, staying up till midnight, 1 a.m. to finish this game while you guys are done at 8 or 9 p.m. So West Coast uh, for the job. Look forward to exploring the world. Maybe maybe next time I'm back on the pod, I'll have a better uh, answer for this one. All right. Well, one, San Diego builds itself as America's finest city. Um, and the fact that it's like, you know, 72 degrees there literally every day. Um, you know, it's hard. It's sort of hard to argue with that. Yeah. Also, I will say this being on the West Coast is great for watching sports because generally we are done at a reasonable time. Um, we're tape delayed for everything else. So just be aware yeah. of that. Fair. <laughs> everything else is on tape delay. And it's also like, I got to think about the other factors. Like now if I'm at a bar at night, like I actually have to talk to people. I can't just watch whatever game's on. So that's that's some added pressure to consider as well. So. Yeah, you know, like the, the social pressures. Of yeah. living, it's a whole different thing. But, you know, we have great burritos and tacos. Ooh. So just keep that in mind. Um, Ian, appreciate the conversation. It's been a lot of fun for folks who don't know. Uh, where can they find your you and your work? 
Appreciate you, man. Yeah, a PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, you know, Spotify, iTunes, the whole, sh- whole shebag, pff.com. I've been doing 100 questions in a 100-day series, basically just trying to get you all caught up on fantasy football land, have my guys go out this week. And I also put together an article that just went through every meaningful offseason move for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end around the league. Because as much as, you know, Marcus and I might be grinding this every single day throughout the year, I know a lot of you just kind of get back into fantasy around August, maybe you don't remember you know every last transaction that occurred so check those out if you're trying to get caught up and yeah twitter at iHeartIt's, but good stuff man appreciate you guys having me on again yeah absolutely yeah go check them out on twitter uh when you see the avatar of johnny depp as hunter s <laughs> thompson you know you have come to the right place as for us that is it we are done we appreciate you hanging out with the nfl fantasy football show you know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember try imagining a world with no hypotheticals be safe take care of yourselves get vaccinated and we'll see you next week You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.